Mars Podcast, episode 84. I'm Andrew Ford. And I'm Brendan Trombley. I'm Trevor Williams. All right, Reggie, I just finished Final Fantasy fourteen. That's, that's all I've been doing for the last three days. Literally up until we started recording, even when we had started recording before we hit record. I was yeah. watching the post credit scene. <laughs> you, you were, and then as we were discussing the episode, you randomly muted yourself and deafened yourself, and then suddenly... Your face was extremely intent for a few few moments. Yeah. And we were wondering what the fuck was happening, and it just bloomed with this very thoughtful expression. Like, oh. Yeah, I was watching a post credit <laughs> scene, which I did not expect. It was very sweet. My God, that video game! Fuck, it's so goddamn good. <laughs> I'm really surprised. That surprises yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, so oh man, the deal with Final Fantasy 14 is like the end game MMO whatever combat. If you played WoW, you played it, probably. It's got some things that I like better than WoW. There's some things that people like better in WoW, whatever. That's the same. MMOs are all about your friends. But the story in Final Fantasy XIV, my god. It's got a great single-player RPG that you play leading up to the end game, With occasional multiplayer dungeons. <laughs> uh, so it's actually more like a Final Fantasy game than I expected it to be? It basically is a Final Fantasy game. It's like... Probably the best Final Fantasy game you'll have that that that's existed in the last I don't know ten years, like yeah yeah a lot of the more recent ones haven't been amazing. I don't even know what the, I haven't even played them. Yeah, fifteen was like almost good, but that was a train wreck during production and it showed in the final product. But I'm gonna uh, claim that twelve is the last good one, even though I haven't played any other subsequent ones <laughs> that came out in 2007. Yeah no I played them all man. Twelve is the last good one, <laughs> and a lot of people didn't even like twelve. Yeah, but, the last one I played was ten. It's weird. Yeah, actually, I like it. Same, really. Yeah. And then eleven was the other MMO, but yeah. it didn't play like a like a Final Fantasy game. It was a lot more like EverQuest. Very much like EverQuest. Open ended and grindy, and not really that story based, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it had a story, but I didn't play it long enough to experience that. I experienced a lot of sitting around and not being chosen to be in people's groups. That was my experience in Final <laughs> Fantasy eleven because wow. I was a red mage. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's like, you know, middle school gym class oh, yeah. in MMO form. That sounds like the least appealing thing in the world. Yep. <laughs> it was self-inflicted because I, I had I had commitment issues and I always wanted to be hybrid classes instead of committing to a single role. But in mm -hmm. those older games, hybrid classes were just watered-down versions of the yeah. specialized classes. It's like you yeah. can be good bad. at one thing or you can be terrible at many things. Yeah. That's your choice. Exactly. And if you wanted to be a red mage in Final Fantasy XI, no one would group with you. And everyone mm -hmm. was insane, too. Like, you had to have two classes leveled up. Like, your character could be anything. Like, you could switch between, like, Thief and White Mage and Healer and Tank or whatever. But, like, you'd always have your main class and then a subclass that would be half your main level. So if your subclass wasn't leveled up enough to be maxed, no one would invite you either. So, like, I was trying to be a White Mage back in the day in Final Fantasy XI. And you'd have some other thing, like Black Mage or whatever, as your secondary class. 
And if that shit was not half the level of your main level, no way, buddy. Ain't getting invited to parties. <laughs> I was like, wow, what is wrong with sucks. you people? I don't this know. reminds this reminds me of like the era of gear score in World of Warcraft, yeah. where like basically like they people evaluated each other based on basically the sum of all of the item levels of all of their gear or something like that. Oh yeah, well, th- that got canonized, right? Isn't that a game mechanic in WoW now? Yeah, it's like- it's a little bit better than that. It's like a weighted average of item slots, I think. Although I haven't played in several expansions, right? Yep. Um, that's something well, pretty much every game does it nowadays. Like even Destiny yeah. has the same thing. Item level, like gear score, whatever, light power. They're all the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the best is like uh, when you see like people put up like little like uh, requests for a, a group. Like the party finder they call it in Final Fantasy. There's a, there's a similar thing in WoW. And they'd be like, you must be this item level to, to join the party. And the item level is like the maximum possible item level if you have perfect gear from all the final bosses. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> like They're first of all like that's stupid because runs. that's not even bis so if you knew what the fuck you're talking about most classes will have like the best in slack gear might not be the maximum eye level second of all fuck you anyway <laughs> <laughs> i i have t- i have two things that i actually remember quite fondly from final fantasy 11 the first was growing magical fruit in my little apartment mm. do you remember doing that i never did any of the house stuff Okay. Um, I probably should have because it seemed really cool. I don't know. It just looked pretty and the music was nice. And I guess I just like farming in games in general. Not farming like an MMO, but like growing plants. The second thing was the was the fucking like login menu and it's like soundtrack and it's interface style. I found it very nostalgic for some reason. I don't know. It's it has that very uh like glitzy Japanese like 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 uh, a commercial building lobby feel if that makes sense yeah and i always really enjoyed being in that menu and listening to that music well they always have such amazing like menu music and then they put yeah. so much effort into like the sound effects for like button clicking and yeah. scrolling through menus nobody does that anymore you just have a little tick sound and like the same text on the left side of the screen and you're like oh okay <laughs> you know but you know, I 100% agree with you. The The main menu for that, that game is like dope. I seriously, I want to go back and like, I don't know. I don't know if I can find out on YouTube or something. I will, I will go back and like listen to that music and remember, remember it and remember being, oh God, how old was that when that came out? Yeah. Uh, 16, maybe 15. Must have been. Is Final Fantasy 11 a defunct game now? It's still going, man. They had a content update like a couple, like six months ago or something. Wow. So there's multiple Final Fantasy MMOs running in parallel. I think so. Yeah. I think the old one is like they're just kind of in a holding pattern. They'll like release something every once in a while, but like it technically is still going. Once you capture some, you can capture like a sustainable number of, you know, loyal subscribers and just keep getting money from them when you make new expansions or whatever. EverQuest One still does that. Yeah. And like the thing is, like EverQuest One, it still managed to do that without um, having millions of subscribers like WoW does. It's, it, you know, it peaked at in, in like less than 500,000, and I'm assuming it's way less than that these days, but apparently enough i wish i could remember the website there was there was like a website that would track the subscribers of uh all the popular mmos uh hmm. i think it's still going i remember I'm surprised that data's public yeah i don't know i think they publish their subscribers every once in a while most games do i don't know how accurate they'll be but you know <laughs> i know that that's data that they would sometimes release during stockholder meetings or whatnot but i also realized that like when those numbers start turning bad 
they will stop releasing them during stockholders meetings. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned music, many music specifically, or, or all, any of that stuff. Cause uh, one of the, one of the best parts about final fantasy 14 is the music. Well, for, for one thing, the music throughout the entire game is like really, really has an extremely high bar quality, but also they, they do things where like most of the bosses will have their own theme music. And not mm. just that, they'll have like per phase of the fight theme music, you know? Wow. Okay. Well, they'll have like, oh, here's the beginning of the fight, you know? And then things are ramping up and then we're going to switch the, the track to something else when something cool happens or like, oh, now the situation's more dire or the boss is switching forms because they do. Um, this final boss uh, had three forms, I think, which is exciting and great. Very, very par for the course for a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I guess small spoiler, but like it's like like cosmic nonsense. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, were you killing God? Because that's basically how most Final Fantasy games end. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, kinda. <laughs> I mean, in a certain way, you kind of kill God like a couple of times hmm. in the expansion. I don't know, man. This is a lot of gods. That's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about Christian God. We're talking about, you know, Final Fantasy, whatever cosmic God is yeah. the God of the month. I mean, I kind of feel like that—that's not just a Final Fantasy thing, but an RPG thing in general. Oh yeah, definitely. You're like a group of teenagers killing, killing—you know—the creator of the universe or whatever. It's it's all it's all part of that uh, uh, power, right? Gaining power dynamic, and like if power gain is like exponential, yeah. where do you where do you end? You end, in, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, this one is definitely like because it's it's like not just the end for for the video game, the Endwalker, the expansion. It's the end for the whole storyline. So like Realm Reborn that started. I guess like 10 or 11 years ago, um, like a long time. Maybe maybe it's only like eight years ago. I don't know. It's a long time. I guess it technically goes all the way back to the the very first version of the game because that's still technically part of the story. I don't know if you know the backstory for the, for Final Fantasy 14, but like... The, yeah, it came out and was terrible and then they completely revamped it, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they're completely revamping it. They actually rolled that into the story where uh, the bad guys um, pulled in Bahamut and Bahamut blew up the whole world and then we're going to start over again. Uh, <laughs> so it was like it was like world of warcraft cataclysm but good yeah exactly um <laughs> wrapped into that whole thing so like this is the whole continuation of that which has been going on for 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 a real long time since since like i don't know like 2010 or something 2011 whenever final fantasy 14 1.0 came out um, yeah it's about that time anyway so it's like wow 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 you know cosmic horror terror nonsense in space fighting god you know moon lasers whatever <laughs> you know cool total, totally insane is there anything else you can tell so i i it's the ov- the entire plot of final fantasy 14 is culminated in this moment yeah and like is it over now <laughs> all right did they shut down the servers we're just done no they're not Story's done over. but they said that this this story is done they're gonna start a new story i don't know what that means yeah it could be to- they haven't totally said different. what that means but they said that the the story so like this whole arc is has been they call it the story of highland and zodiac the god of light and the god of darkness and you're the warrior of light and like that's all done. <laughs> it's done. It's actually definitively finished. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like that whole thing, done. So did you light know? win? <laughs> darkness vanquished forever? You know. <laughs> it can't be darkness without light. I don't know. I don't oh, know what it means oh. to be the warrior of light right now, but, you know, oh. who knows? You, the flayer, are the warrior of light? Yeah. Sing- singular warrior of light? I mean, so they, uh, you are the warrior of light. Uh, just like everyone else. Just like everyone else. <laughs> they kind of like... They handle it pretty well. Like, you know, you're always pulling in your friends who are not the NPCs, but they can be, I don't know, whatever. 
Um, it's like the catch 22 in an MMO, right? Like they do as best yeah. as, as they can, you know? Um, I think the one thing specifically that they do better than wow is that like, wow has actually a really good story and I, I, I like it a lot. I'm not hundred percent up to date, but I, I actually do follow it eventually. Um, but like your player character is never like part of the story. You're just like adjacent to it. There's like, you know, yep. all Any, these anytime, heroes. Anytime stuff. you go back in the, if you go back in the like lore of World of Warcraft, it'll be like, you know, this main character, you know, Sylvanas or Thrall or whatever, uh, assembled a group of heroes to vanquish the Lich King or whatever, right? And and you are part of that group of heroes, quote unquote, kind of anonymous mob of, yep. for some reason, unfathomably power, powerful people that just, you know, run around the world and defeat mm-hmm. Yeah. existential threats and yep. <laughs> then they order you around to get chickens or whatever you know like <laughs> i've killed god seven times what the hell <laughs> well i mean in the, the chickens on this new island are level mm. 80 and you <laughs> they're god chickens yeah <laughs> the, oh, that's another they thing are the gods of chickens <laughs> that's like yep. this this level one white mob is just as powerful as the lich king like <laughs> it's stronger <laughs> even his auto attack Way is stronger. like 50 times better than the tank buster i don't know but yeah. um, I mean that's just silly. But it's just the way it has to be. The numbers, the way numbers have to work in an MMO. The next expansion has to be better, whatever. Um, but like the main thing in Final Fantasy fourteen is your player character is actually like involved in all of that. Like it would be as if your player character is on screen with you know Garish Hellscream or whatever. You know you're right in the you know important part of a lot of these decisions and all that stuff. But it makes the payoff so much better because like all these characters know you your player character as like, you know, as much as any of the other NPCs or other players that you're bringing in the game would as well. Oh, do they do a bunch of like dodging, like ever saying your name out loud or your gender? Oh yeah. When they refer to you, they actually have <laughs> voice lines for your gender for, for everything. Oh, okay. I mean, it'd be cool if they had like multiple, whatever, but like, you know, Japan, who cares? But like, um, they do, they have alternate readings for, for the genders, the different genders in the game, which I thought was a nice touch, but they never say your name <laughs> or cutscenes that, uh, say your name aren't voiced, <laughs> right, <laughs> which is another right. slide of hand. They, they have like kind of like four tiers of cutscenes where like some of them are like really light RPG scripted ones where they're like, people run around, they use the emotes in the game, whatever, mm-hmm. all the way up to the really pretty ones with, you know, full animations and explosions and the space going mm-hmm. off or whatever and voice acting. If only they used AI-generated voice acting, they could actually pronounce all of those names. So finally, in the cutscene, you'd be like, "And thanks to the efforts of Extaslaya sixty-nine four twenty-three twenty-sixty-five, yeah, right, humanity is saved <laughs> and God saved. is dead forever." Well, that'd be you know, that's the future, right? You'll have voice synthesized, whatever, so you can have like Boner four twenty as your character name defeating it's all thanks to the efforts of rushi fuck (laughs) god you wouldn't believe how much time i spent on the google assistant thing like trying to figure out the right combination of characters and pronunciation to get to say my name right i I got it eventually but it takes a lot of work i would go with r-a-w-s-h-e-y and it'd probably be rashi yeah i think i tried that at one point it was rashi (laughs) <laughs> I, I got I got like a whole bunch of different ones. I figured I figured out some version of vowels and consonants that makes it sound right. Because uh, you can you can put in like the phonetic pronunciation of it, but you just gotta yep. find out how to make it say the way you want. Um. Anyway, getting off track. Uh. But like the, one of the other cool things they do is that like um they started doing this in in the previous expansion. They and they kind of doubled down on it here. Is that like there's a cast of NPC characters that you like complete like go through the game would like as if it was a normal single player final fantasy game um 
you like hang out with them. There's like tons of solo instances or whatever. You fight with them or whatever. And so at certain points, you'll take control of these characters and do little fun things with them. But like, I, I guess the canon version is that you are going into these dungeons with them. And you can do that. You can bring in the NPCs with you. Like they make it fully single player now where they actually go through and do all the mechanics, which huh. the tech behind that must be really fun. They're and So the NPCs act like PCs would in a dungeon? Yeah. They'll, they'll actually Holy do shit. all the mechanics. I, I think it's hand built for every single dungeon because they do everything right. It's nuts. That is kind of crazy. Maybe they have like a really good like action recording system so you can just play it as a player and it just sort of like records what you did and then learns from it. That That's the only feasible explanation I can think of. Yeah, maybe. I, I couldn't imagine scripting that manually. That sounds terrible. Right? I don't know. <laughs> so does that also mean that they always correctly execute all of the mechanics of all the fights? Yeah. Well, it's got to be so much less frustrating than playing with people. It can be. Do they tell yeah. you to? Do they tell you to kill yourself when you do it wrong? See, people, people for the most part don't do that in fourteen. It's pretty <laughs> nuts. People in Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't know if it's just because like it's anime land and people are weeaboos, or just like maybe the story attracts the kind of person that is nicer. I mean, there's some weird confluence, but like yeah. in general, people are so much nicer in fourteen than in WoW. It is unfathomable. I mean, you still get assholes, but like. So much farther and fewer between than like, you know, in, in WoW, you join a dungeon, you you like wipe, someone leaves, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> not in this game. Well, in this game, you're allowed to be a beautiful bunny boy, right? Oh, yeah. They just added that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So beautiful bunny boys attract nice, nice people, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Everyone's beautiful in this game. It's impossible to make an ugly character. It's a, uh, that sounds like a challenge. Yeah. My, my, my partner hates Final Fantasy because of exactly that. Yeah. He is so attracted to like you know grungy, undeady, warlocky stuff. Yeah, the and horde. You, just, you can't be you can't be gross in fi- in Final Fantasy games. Can't so be. He's like, nope, it's too pretty. <laughs> you should I'm, watch I'm the done. Monster Factory. Like they can't they can't make an ugly guy. <laughs> it's just like this one looks beautiful, but he's got a pompadour. You're like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was immediately it's thinking wacky. of Monster Factory. Yeah. I'm sad to hear that they were unsuccessful in making a hideous abomination in Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, I mean, I, they probably did the best that they could, but it's also somewhat limited compared to a lot of other kind of character creators. Fair. I, f- I feel like in that case, you just need to go for the smarmiest, overly pretty thing that you could possibly think of until it gives you like diabetes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's too beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I, I mean, I could talk about the story in that game for 10,000 years, but like, well, we shouldn't talk about yeah. just that story. I'd like to talk more about story and MMOs in general, which you're kind of already doing. This is like yeah. a weird late transition, but no, we'll, yeah. we'll transition. Right it's the it. transition we didn't need. <laughs> yeah, no, but like uh, you know, story and MMOs is such a weird, and we've kind of started identifying some of the reasons why they're why it's weird, and and one of the big ones is that it's trying to tell a good story to like ten thousand people all at once. Yeah, and I think we've experienced it in a few different games in different ways. Uh, wow is the one that i have the some of the most experience with in terms of story and i have come to be very frustrated and annoyed by it uh but actually for me the 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 thing that i don't like about wow is that it doesn't seem to have like a destination in mind like i actually i'm very interested in that uh final fantasy 14 seems to have come to some sort of conclusion wow seems to be building and building to these things and then it just makes up new weird bullshit like time travel alternate reality Mm-hmm. shenanigans yeah. and then like now there's suddenly like a world of the dead it's like each new expansion is i don't know it's just it's like calvin ball it's just making shit up as it goes it feels like lost it feels lost it's, like lost yeah it's, it's infuriating too because they have like all these amazing seeds 
Or they're like, oh, that'd be cool. They're like, yeah, we're going to build it to this. And then they just drop it. They're like, we're not ready to talk yeah. about that yet. It's just like, well, oh, come on, man. Why are you telling me this stupid story about these other guys? Mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with this. Do you know about the co- cosmic story of WoW? Like, do you know that like the planet of Azeroth itself is like a dormant titan? Yeah. Yep. And and all of the conflict stems from the, that fact that it is an unfathomably powerful like titan egg, the world of Warcraft itself. It's like, sick. Like the planet Azeroth. That's a really interesting idea. And like, it's like very briefly alluded to here and there. And like, I'm waiting for them to like make that moment culminate. Like, shouldn't there be a, a, an expansion someday where like Azeroth hatches and like <laughs> the world is affected by that? But no, it seems like they're just like not ever going to do that. So they did bring it more into the focus with the uh, expansion Battle for Azeroth, I want to say. Um, where right. like there was one of the characters that was like a dwarf that was turned into diamond who was an emissary of Azeroth and sort of like more conduit. Again, right? yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Didn't like a god like stab the earth or something? Yeah, another titan stabbed the Azeroth with a titan sword. And then and then her blood went everywhere and it became a valuable resource for you to upgrade your yep, weapon. Yep, Azurite. Yep. <laughs> Collect the planet's blood, upgrade yep. your weapon. Success. Mm-hmm. Also, um, what a disastrous way to ruin. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So World of Warcraft is the MMO that I have experience with. And I, th- I think that was, was that the last one? Uh, was that before After Legion? I want to say After, after Legion, Legion and yeah. before the recent one, which I forget what it's called, but that's the one with the world uh, of the Shadow, Shadow something. Lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I kind of felt like with regards to plot, World of Warcraft was doing sort of like the I don't know comic uh, thing where they wanted to raise the stakes with each subsequent expansion, and there are some notable exceptions to that, like Mist of Pandaria, where it was just like. Okay, and now we're done sort of raising the stakes after Cataclysm was kind of a uh, thing. Um, and now instead, we're just going to go visit the, you know, the Asian island instead. And it'll be nice. And it was, actually. It was a very good expansion. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was pretty, too. I think you might be in the minority opinion really? there. Yeah, I don't think Pandaria was considered a great expansion. I think people mm-hmm. just didn't like the pandas. Mm-hmm. Because, like, your spectrum of character choice for pandas is Jack Black panda movie or like really weird furry character. Like the, the female was like too much and the male was also too much in the mm-hmm. the, the, the direction, you know, mm. you like mm-hmm. Uh, mm. maybe it would have been a lot more successful if it was released today. Yeah, maybe one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that makes sense. You know what? It's, it's fine. Like World of Warcraft has tons of furry characters. Final Fantasy is starting to put them in there now, too. Why not? Why not? Keep them in there. Have the furries all over the place. Fucking yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> and so the the way that this story is experienced in World of Warcraft expansions, from my experience, because I've only played them, I like I played Legion and um, uh, Warlords of Draenor. It came right before it, and I saw the pattern. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Which is like, you start off, you go to the new place, you are the lowest level of the new place because they ex- expanded the levels. Then you do a bunch of quests that are kind of important like the thing you're doing is kind of important but it's really like a lot of chores you know it's like uh you know dismantle this attack or or like you know kill this number of these sorts of enemies or like deliver x to y mm-hmm. and like each each like zone is kind of its own little like self-contained story that's kind of contributing to the bigger story and then it kind of like ramps up in stakes as you get higher level 
to the point where then dungeons and dungeon bosses are sort of like little mini culminations. And then there's some kind of raid that is the main culmination of the story and you defeat the boss and that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's right? like, it's a formula. And then another patch comes out, introduces new dungeons, which do the same yeah. thing, which lead to yeah. another raid, which does the same thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that again, raises the stakes again, right? Usually there's some like major shift in that like halfway mm-hmm. expansion thing. And, and there's a new, even better raid that comes out mm-hmm. with a new, even better story. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then it kind of hangs out for a while and then the next expansion comes out and kind of resets. Yep. And usually Sylvanas does something crazy. <laughs> that, that seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's always been sort of like my pet peeve with Blizzard games in general. Like, I don't know. I, I've always had some complaints about their stories and it very much, it's like, oh, what if we took a hero and corrupted them. You're like, oh, <laughs> stop it. We get it. <laughs> Every single expansion. But now Garrosh is corrupted. Oh. Yep. Yep. Oh. But, I, but it sounds like in Shadowlands, they've taken the reverse thing and say, what if we took a hero that was corrupted and uncorrupt them? Redemption. Oh. Amen. Yeah. You guys subvert those expectations somehow. They've been subverted uh-huh. so many times. I don't know. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm not actually sure what they're doing. I, I feel like part of it is probably just because they're very in tune with their market research and Sylvanas is a very popular character and they're like, okay, how can we make her the center of everything for all time? Well, what if we make her the central villain? Great. What do we do after we kill her? Uh, what if we make her the central hero? Uh, no one dies in uh, World of Warcraft. They get brought back. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you have an entire expansion that's the Shadowlands. You go to the land of the dead so you can bring back all of those characters. Yeah. Well, they had the time travel expansion, so you could bring back all the other ones, you know? Like Also true. Nothing uh, has any consequences. I was very confused because I had not been following. Like, that was Warlords of Draenor, mm-hmm. right? Where you're yep. in. I was like, wait, I'm in Outland, but it's not Outland? What the fuck is happening? Yeah. Out, right, Outland is the continent that I'm was I'm just looking at from... Ford's face, and he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> I just have no reference point. Sorry. Anyway, oh, okay. we'll stop, talk, we'll stop gushing about how much we yeah, hate yeah, World yeah. of Warcraft. That's fine. All right, all right. It's completely so, so here's the question. Here's the question. Was Ford's face as thoughtful as yours was while you were watching the post-credits scene in Final Fantasy XIV? No, I don't know. That was some, I've never seen Roush make a like an intense face like that. That was something. Yeah, that was intense. It's fun. You know, Tataro. She's 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 in the character. She's cool. She's the final boss. Tataro's the final boss. Quote me on that. When you beat Final Fantasy XIV, Tylen Lalafell in a pink shirt. That's that's the uh, final boss. She's God. She's God. Yep. Okay. The god of, of despair and cosmic terror. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. Um so I mean yeah. to bring it back, like uh, uh I mean something something that maybe Ford can help help with is like in an MMO, right? Or when you compare an MMO to like uh, with story to a single player game with story, you don't have the same like kind of internal contradiction of the fact that you usually want to be the like main character of a story. And WoW treats you like you're the main character, even though there are literally thousands of people identical to you doing the same story and in which they are presented as the hero, as opposed to like a, a single yeah. player game. where And they're all lined up right behind you waiting for their turn to turn in their 20 toad butts in order to proceed in the quest. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so immersion breaking. You go back to your Dark Knight <laughs> Citadel where you're like Death Knight. I don't know, whatever the hell you are in WoW, where you're the commander of the legions of the apocalypse. And there's another 10 guys right behind you to turn it in. <laughs> like, oh, 
and you're all and you're all you know working to upgrade your your utterly unique weapon that mm-hmm. literally everybody like it's like the legendary weapon in the lore for your class yeah and literally you walk outside your little strong stronghold and every other paladin has that exact weapon and it looks exactly the same <laughs> amazing yeah i mean it, it is definitely sort of like one of the big challenges of having a reasonable plot in an mmo and i feel like a related challenge is the fact that like you can't really have a lot of your actions in the world have durable consequences. Like there is some of this in World of Warcraft insofar as they have phasing and things like that, where they sort of like change the instance that you're in based on what quests you've completed and whatnot. But, you know, they can only make so much use of that because it segregates player populations. And so it's like after you've finished all the quests in the zone, you're in a particular phase where the, you know, the tower's fallen down or something like that. Um, But like, you can't really make a world like that and give the player choices in terms of like, you know, you do decision A and it has some big actual effect in the world because then you're in a world that's inconsistent with everyone else that's made decision B instead. Um, and it really limits the sort of agency of the player because like you, you can basically sort of go down a straight line and get to the end of it. And I think people, like some other people here, have referred to that as like, you know, a theme park uh, RPG where you're sort of like on a yep. car on a track and you just sort of ride it and see the sights. Mm-hmm. And some people, I guess some people love that. It's actually not like, even in single player, I don't really like games that tell us, that are like a linear story punctuated by gameplay. It's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like how I ended up playing Final Fantasy X in the end, which was just like, get to the next pretty cinematic to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that I killed a million like minor monsters on the way there, like I didn't care, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, it was just, it was just like arbitrary obstacles to get to the next cutscene. And I know, I know game, I know like single player games have gotten better at that over time. I, have, I don't play them as much as I used to, mm. um, but it's still like not like I would rather just watch a movie or read a book that tells a good story rather than a game that was trying to deliver story to me in like chunks. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there's like the, the prime examples nowadays, right? Where you have like your um, Last of Us's and your whatever the hell Naughty Dog game, where that's exactly what you're talking about. You have a shooting corridor, you have a puzzle segment, and then you have a an expertly made beautiful cutscene. And you're mm-hmm. like, all right, maybe it'll be exploration, then shooting corridor, then pretty cutscene. They'll like shuffle it around, <laughs> but like... Mm-hmm. Those are the three pieces in those kinds of games, and they'll put them in there, you know, um, as opposed to the other like more. I don't know. God, I'll just I'll fucking just say Dark Souls. It's Dark Souls. It's passive <laughs> storytelling. Like there's a world, there's a there's context. And uh, however much you absorb, sure, there is stuff that's happening. There is like an actual storyline, whether or not you get it or want to get it your level of involvement is kind of up to you. But you're also making your own player story, which is, you know, what directions you're going, what bosses you're killing, what you're doing. Right, and so the, yeah, yeah, that story is generated by you, and it's kind of in the language of games, not in the language of, like, cinema, right? Or, like, linear storytelling. You have you have environmental storytelling. That's actually really good for games, because, right, like you're saying, you can explore that and and uncover it. And you're, what you're, you're basically doing is uncovering the history of a place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like... Right, it's not like uh, print, you know, Princess Peach got kidnapped by Bowser, and you are now rescuing her, and you have to like follow those NPCs and what they're doing and their motivations. It's like the ruins of a place, and you get to figure out what happened and why, and now why this place is the way it is as you are 
murdering your way through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I think there's a happy medium you can have though, like games like Shadow of the Colossus, where it's like the cutscenes are very much in service of the gameplay, and they're few and far between, where it like elevates the material that you're playing, as opposed to like being an A than a B situation, where like uh, they they don't frequently take agency away from you to have a thing happen. You know, I think we've all been in the video game where like you'll be shooting through a whole bunch of guys. And then in the cutscene, a guy gets shot and he's like, oh, I'm dying now because the script says I have to. And you're like that. Mm -hmm. I have a heal potion. Yeah. I have a bag full of them. I can resurrect yeah, right, you. Despite the fact that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use, use the Phoenix down on Aerith. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like, come on. Yeah. As a side note, I, I mean, spoiler for a game that's over a decade old or whatnot, but I thought it was really clever how in the original Bioshock, they took agency away from you during cutscenes. And it was always because someone was saying, you know, would you kindly? And you had no choice yeah. in game because you were basically mind controlled. It was really subtle. It, it, like until until they reveal it, it was yes. super great. Yes. Expert writing, yes. you know, they have the, mm -hmm. the, this all culminates in a scene where like the, the guy, you always have a, a, a guy talking to you on the radio. Right. And yep. like in pretty much every game, like go do this, go do this, go do that. But he would always put the phrase, would you kindly in the beginning of it? You know, and then like in the confrontation with them, he's like, would you kindly do this? You know, and then like you're. Reality is shattered and it's terrible, um, mm -hmm. but you know. Wow, I didn't I didn't play Bioshock all the way through. I, I, that's that's really interesting. Oh wow, yeah. Shit. Well, we just ruined it. Don't worry about it. No, it's fine. <laughs> Excellent game. Um, I'm yes. a journey over the destination sort of yeah. person. So oh dear lord, mm -hmm. you got to play Prey if you haven't. Uh, okay. Same same lines. Very good storytelling. Slight aside about spoilers, and this is like part of the philosophy of the journey versus the destination. Do you know that like there in like Eastern writing, it's very often the case that like the height, the title of the t of like a of a chapter will be like the chapter in which blah 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 dies and you're like uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like it's just it's just how it works that's just oh, how they God. tell the story i mean there's like a, there's something to it though like there's a lot of of storytelling like that where it's like it's not the specific things that happen it's they're still following all the same clichés and patterns but like how matters right like if you've mm -hmm. ever watched a, a like dragon ball z or any one of the infinite shonen stories you know like, of course, the good guy's going to win. Damn right he's going to win. That's the point. That's the point that they have show. Mm -hmm. It's how it gets there. It's the emotional ride. You know, you're invested in the characters. They they want you to succeed and, and take that mm -hmm. trip with them, you know. It's the, yeah. it, that, that is the journey instead of the destination because you know the outcome already. You know, once in a while, they'll throw a twist in there. But, like, mm -hmm. the point of it is is, you know, the journey part. Mm -hmm. So speaking of spoilers, another spoiler for a like 20 year old comic, uh, The Sandman. Uh, so avert your ears if you don't want to hear this. But when I was reading the final uh, novel of this sort of like collected edition, um, there was always like a foreword written by a different author um, at the beginning of it that sort of discusses it. And the foreword to like the last one was like, and this is the one in which Dream dies. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Wow. Well, that seems like a terrible Fair. forward to write. Why would you do that? Right. Because I get through. No, I mean, it, and it was basically just sort of like a discussion of like, you know, this is sort of like the ultimate culmination. Like, this is what had to happen. Sorry if I spoiled that for you, so on and so forth. Um, and I mean, like the name of the like book also sort of was an indicator of this. It was called The Wake. Um so, which in that particular uh, capacity was like the wake as in like the Catholic ceremony after someone's died. Uh, so it wasn't like 
the rad thing that you get pulled behind on a boat on a board. <laughs> That's also that in terms oh. of like the the results of him dying and basically the aftershocks of mm. that. Well, isn't that where the term wake for comes from? Like a cat like wake, isn't it? Maybe. And I mean, the last one also is he's the Lord of Dreaming. So, you know, it's wake, you know, wake up. The dream's <gasps> dead. So, oh, so yeah. many entendres. Wow. Yes. Well, I don't know. That's anyway. just a terrible forward writer, though. Don't do I, that. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Like... <laughs> I was very annoyed by that because, like, despite the fact that it was, you know, a lot of hints that it was coming, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know if you've ever gone to see, like, a, you know, like a movies at, like, one of them art, little art theaters, right? Where they have, like, someone come in and, and say a forward like that and, like, mm-hmm. talk about the movie beforehand. Like, we went to go see Fantastic Planet, which is this insane movie from the 70s, I think. It's a French movie that's, like, bizarre and discussed like wild um but like the the person presenting the forward thankfully i was late and i missed it and i just came in right right as the movie was starting um the the person like reading the forward just like talked through it's like scene for scene the whole movie it's like what if people want to watch the movie what what are you doing don't do this (laughs) anyway if any of you are gonna write a forward don't do that otherwise i won't like you i'll unfollow you on facebook can you can you write a forward that appears after the story and then reflect on that? Can it be called? Yeah, it's called an afterword. Is, <laughs> an afterword. Afterword. Is there an afterword? <laughs> yes. Wow. I've never I've never seen a book with an afterword. I have. I would like to see yeah. afterwards. I'd like to have more afterwards. Yeah. It seems like a much better. Yeah, because usually I have to go to Reddit or YouTube to get hot takes on the thing I just consumed. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Let me tell you, in a 10-minute or longer video, <laughs> my three points. Way more than 10 minutes these days. Yeah. Now it's like 45 minutes. That's true. It'll be like longer than the actual piece of media itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I Sorry. love it. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Seriously. I just, you know how many hours yeah. of, of anti-Game of Thrones Season 8 shit I've watched? <laughs> like, probably more hours than Game of Thrones Season 8 actually was. <laughs> Definitely more hours than they spent writing it, that's for sure. Boom! Rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> I just randomly delved into, like, the uh, Dune wiki uh, over the weekend. I, I don't know why. I was just like, you know what? I'm really curious what happened in, like, the later, like, Books. It gets bananas. Mm. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, and then there's books written by the author's son, and oh, oh, they did, they did that. I, I guess that was a choice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. bad fan fiction. That's that's all I know past book three, is like mm-hmm. the the weird wiki stuff. Hey, were we supposed to talk about MMO stories and games? We're talking stories? about game stories. Sorry, we got way off the path here. So let's talk about narrative design. All right. World of Warcraft, it's all fucking passive. It's bullshit. You read a text box, and then you watch a cutscene, and the text box is tiny on the screen. Little baby thing. It's this big. Yeah, it's usually not that interesting. And you have a scroll bar on it. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Some 2004 legacy stuff mm-hmm. going on there. And, and originally, it also had the sort of like fade in word, one word at a time thing we were talking about a couple episodes ago. Oh, did it really? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's been disabled, but that was how it was in classic. Oh, my God. Um, I think it might still be available as an option now, but it wasn't the default for a long time. That'd be great to turn that back on. You know, it'd be nice. That mm. probably would not be nice. It'd probably be fun for like a couple hours, like Lord of Warcraft. <laughs> World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. <laughs> I mean, that's just the global chat. Boom, got him. Uh, yeah, there it is again. Uh, uh, yeah. Trevor, Trevor, it seemed like you were going to say. Oh, yeah. I, I was actually going to derail us off of the MMO train briefly. Um, since we were talking about sort of like <laughs> we different We just types. got back on the tracks. Hey, go ahead. Well, hey, hey, how about, how about we compromise? So instead of being completely off track, 
we go back onto the game, you know, sort of like plot and sort of like, you know, uh, you know, stories angle thing. So, you know, we're meeting us each other halfway here. Mm. Um, so specifically, we were talking before about like these sort of, you know, different types of games where it's like, you know, passive, you know, sort of exposure to the story like Dark Souls or uh, alternatively, like in your face through, uh, you know, cutscenes and whatnot, like Drake's Fortune or whatnot. But I was thinking in the back of my mind about games like I, I don't know if there's a ton of them, but like Dwarf Fortress or Rimworld or whatnot, where. I kind of feel like the game itself is sort of like a story generator in a sense. Yes. Um, because like, you know, there's sure there's like some background and lore about the universe that you exist in. But at the end of the day, basically like you take control of a group of settlers or colonists or whatever, and then try to avoid them having meeting grisly ends and meeting some sort of arbitrary goal or whatnot. And usually things going wrong along the ways, sometimes savably, sometimes not so. This is considered kind of like the, um, well, the ideal version of this would be considered like kind of the holy grail of game storytelling. Like there's so many game scholars who really do look at like games as the, you know, as a ultimate form of storytelling because of like player agency and stuff, but also a really tough nut to crack because most people approach things in the like sort of cinematic approach with linear storytelling. So, and then the, the complete opposite of that is kind of what you're saying is like the game itself has systems, mechanics, ways to adapt and change, uh, you know, both in response to the player, but also in response to whatever, you know, randomly generated stuff happens or whatever. And they call that like a story engine. Mm -hmm. and it can generate its own stories, like you said, a story machine. Yep. So yeah, and Dwarf Fortress, I, I, I've heard used as a, a pretty good example for that in many ways. Yeah, and some of the patch notes are just so indicative of the types of stories that can be uh, told via uh, the game of Dwarf Fortress. And I haven't played it in a long time at this point. And like the comic I'm thinking of is from Three Panel Soul from many years ago. But uh, I, I think one of the patch notes that they referenced in one of their panels will was vampires will no longer frame children for their murders. <laughs> <laughs> and that tells you so much about the game right there. <laughs> that yeah they put a lot into so so things npcs can murder each other yep they can then blame each other and yep. actually have like investigations as to who's yep it, it just infers so much about that system but uh -huh. also how that system can play out in many different ways mm -hmm. right i've also heard that like every right every dwarf fortress npc has like their own like wants and needs and desires and like I don't know, other attributes that might contribute to random storytelling interactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, maintaining happiness of individual dwarfs was very important because if they get unhappy, they can throw tantrums, which make other dwarfs unhappy, which make them throw tantrums. And hmm. you go into like, I think what's referred to as a tantrum spiral where everybody's so <laughs> unhappy, nobody works and they just go around burning things instead until everyone dies. <laughs> um, the purest expression of nihilism. <laughs> pretty much but like different dwarfs have different things like some of them really want fine food some of them want fine clothing um some of them are the nobility and they want particular things like oh i want this particular artifact or you know like a i want a bed made out of nothing but jade and i want it done by six months from now and if it's not made by then i am going to order uh another dwarf to be stoned to death those are all possibilities that the yes. game can just generate yes it can see like that's just crazy like so it has so many different flexible systems right so that means that you can have an npc that wants a thing that mm -hmm. thing can have very particular attributes right a bed made of jade so beds can be made of other materials too yep 
Yep. Also, they can put a time limit on that thing, and the character yep. understands that, and the other characters. That's it's bananas. That's mm. that's crazy bananas. And all of it is hidden under a completely nonsensical ASCII-based uh, UI, which is a nightmare to navigate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what ASCII means, that's like graphics made out of actual text. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the after the last time, I think you mentioned Dwarf Fortress a while ago. I talked about it a little bit. I tried to watch one of the tutorials and just like, in order to set up your, your first village, go to this menu and shoot at the 23rd option. Like, fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> I refuse to use this UI that is made for insane people. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Dwarf Fortress is an excellent sort of like game gen- or like a story generator. It's a f- relatively poor game. <laughs> yeah. Which is sad. It's not really a game game. It's, it's more of a simulation yeah. though. It's like Sim yeah. City's not really much of a game. Mm-hmm. But like, it's it's a it's a hell of a simulation. It's really fun, and you make a lot of stories in it, you know. Um, but yeah, it's um to bring it back to MMOs. Like, how can you like? I mean, I have an example, but being being a little more uh, inquiry based on it, you know, like Ooh. how can you take that idea right and like uh, apply that to an MMO? Right? Can you have an MMO? that is more open-ended has story elements and weirdly com- combinative systems that players can then enact and can you do that in a way that doesn't immediately turn the world into a fiery hellscape because that's mm. when you when you put thousands of gamers into one environment with no restrictions you get like those minecraft servers right where have you ever seen like an anarchy minecraft server that has no restrictions of what that ends up looking like no what does it look like it's a hellscape <laughs> an actual hellscape is, is it because people just blow everything up like what's the why pretty much yes like literally for miles and miles around the spawn point it will be it'll be completely exploded by tnt basically down so that it's just like random you know stone everywhere but then also you know how players when they want to get around really quickly will like pillar up and also make little like one block bridges yeah. so those are kind of everywhere <laughs> and it's the ugliest most dystopian nightmare and then there are like weird enclaves where people haven't gone yet and haven't destroyed and messed up but you have to travel really far to get there it's 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 buck wild it's like the final dungeon of every rpg rpg just like yeah massive terrifying objects everywhere <laughs> or nothing desiccated nothingness but but with like with with the lack of aesthetic that only minecraft uh <laughs> no well not minecraft but like a bunch of a bunch of not you know non-artists gamers interacting with the space can achieve mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah <laughs> with the sole intention of to destroy usually yes yes mm-hmm. um, well I- i'm glad you asked about such a hypothetical mmo because let me tell you about one that i'm sure you've never heard of or considered especially in posing this question called eve online Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say EverQuest next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy Eleven. Yeah. Uh, I would love to know what you know about Eve Online's ability to have some of this stuff, like a, like a story engine. So uh, the I've never played Eve Online, um, but I have heard about several of the things that have occurred inside of it um, because I feel like it is effective. It's sort of like it's effective at sort of creating a sandbox within which people can interact with each other in a reasonably structured way, but with real consequences. Um, in that basically the entire universe is, contr- well, like 
planet's areas are controlled by people, and any control can be ceded to another player through violence or trade. Uh, you know, or betrayal the circumstance. Yes, betrayal as well, which is uniquely Eve Online because that's well. I mean, I guess there's scams and whatnot in other games as well, and there's a little bit of overlap between scams and betrayals and Eve Online. There's also espionage and like crazy yes. wars. Oh and- yeah. Right. And, and these are the things that you hear about. Um, so like specifically, um, oh God, what was it? I, I think I'd heard about like goon swarms sort of like taking over most of the known like universe. Um, mm-hmm. Although were they, I can't remember if they were the people that were fighting back against another large group or if they were the large group that was getting fought back against by a bunch of other people or whatnot. But I also remember that like the head of goon squad or whatnot to like, forked off became another faction made it larger and then came back and reconquered goon squad or something like that uh all sorts of other random crazy things like that and betrayals people like raiding their like uh corpse uh central bank um all sorts of crazy shit happening uh because the entire economy is player driven um sure there's a bunch of rules and whatnot but it's not like you sort of uh you know go out there and farm 20 uh, boars and then come back with boar tusks and trade them in for a short sword. You're like, uh, players have all the recipes and can produce all the items and you can, Mm -hmm. you know, make a profit by trading items from like one planet to another and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like, I, I mean, I, I feel like in almost all MMOs, players are at the core of the economy, but I feel like there's even less of a role for vendor npcs and eve online from what i've heard correct yeah, yeah, yeah and i feel like i'm sort of like going around the periphery of all the stuff you know about this but that's sort of like my general impression of the game one thing i one thing i'd like to throw out there is that that sort of story engine doesn't necessarily only have to apply at like these big giant political things although that is very interesting right those stories can play out in eve um on a much more micro scale right like so many, so many conversations I've had with people uh, that I play Eve with is like, look at this kill mail and then tell me the story about, you know, wh- how the fight happened and like what, you know, what led to that moment, how the fight went, you know, look at this crazy thing where I like, you know, totally outgunned a ship way bigger than me and, and got under his guns. kill mail, and, by the way? Oh, sorry. A kill mail. It's like an actual like link that is generated by... Um, uh, like, a, like, a, like an external third-party website that can... So the EVE Online allows you to like hook APIs into its data and then like turn it into like third-party services. So um, there's a site called Z Killboard that everyone uses to track kills. Um, and so I can like link to a Z Killboard kill and it'll like show like who was involved, what were they flying, who died, what was the value of their ship, like all this information about that particular moment. And, and that tells a story, right? Like if you're really good at the game and you can, you can just look at a, a kill mill and just know like, holy shit, this was crazy because X, Y, and Z, you know? It's like looking uh, at the matrix, it coded. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, I, I used to play with a guy who um, would constantly kill uh, battleships, which are uh, the third largest category of ship with the smallest category of ship. And he would do it by baiting them out, right? He would actually like kind of harass them in an area of space where generally you can't fight each other without consequences. Uh, uh, He would go suspect, meaning um, that other person could attack him without consequences. But as soon as they start attacking, he can attack them back in defense and would know exactly what to do to to take out their much, much larger ship, which, like I said, is like you're, you're, you're in a small agile ship, and if you get kind of like within range and orbit the enemy, usually their guns can't hit you, and then you can kill a much, much larger <laughs> ship with a very small ship. So this guy's kill board is filled with these like 
yeah, I killed this like giant battleship in a worm, which is the name of the ship he was, the little frigate he was flying, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then, of course, there's the story of like the salt and tears of the person who loses their ship. <laughs> <laughs> and those are those are like extremely valuable and like take a long time, like actual real time to build, right? Like they don't you, uh, and and a lot of real time to get the money to fly them. You don't like just go downtown and and buy a new Ford Taurus. <laughs> you like make it right. Like <laughs> I don't know some. Someone had to go make the Fort Taurus, but usually if you lose your Fort Taurus, which does happen, you just go to the trade hub and buy a new one, oh. but you have to make, you have to afford it. And so, so after it, the worm blew up the Fort Taurus, like, is there a bunch of loot that the worm gets to pick up as well? Or was he just doing this for kicks? Uh, yeah, he gets the loot. Yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. I just don't know how much loot actually gets dropped from like blowing up one of the ships. That's part of the story. And that's actually part of the kill mail. Uh, you get oh. to see what dropped and what, cause so like when you destroy a ship, uh, there's a random chance for anything that was in the ship to be either destroyed or to drop. Mm-hmm. And so very often you might see like this person was holding this, ext- like using like this extremely expensive module, right? You, cause like, there's like this basically like exponential increase in value of a module. Like you've got like the regular tier one version that any idiot can make. You've got a tier two version, which is a little harder. And then you've got these ones that are like rare drop versions that are, are like, only get you know they only get them from grinding for forever and and getting really lucky and those can be worth a ton and when they get destroyed in a in a fight and you can see that on the keyboard people react because it's it's crazy <laughs> there's a whole bunch of like little um reactions you can do in z keyboard so you can be like needs more purple and purple represents like extremely expensive modules <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> it's kind of cool that it's got some like hardcore light uh elements to it i always love that kind of stuff in game you know raise those stakes make me give a shit you know mm-hmm. oh yeah that's definitely part of the the sort of story engine of eve or the stakes uh, death they're, they're real yeah real world death value penalties are scary assigned to it well so like that's kind of cool because like you have a direct parallel to to uh, um, final fantasy 14 which i also think is good i, I have problems with their design but like they're Storyline is the exact opposite of Eve, where you have a sandbox where it's mostly player-created story. And Final Fantasy XIV has the exact opposite, which is it's as locked down as a story can be. It's 100% linear, and you cannot do any of the side content without progressing to a certain point in the main story, which has a lot of advantages and disadvantages. Um, But the main thing is that the quality of the story is high enough such that it becomes a truly enjoyable experience, and you also get that kind of like long form content setups and payoffs that you can only get in like tv shows and series of novels you know like not just like a a long book or something you get you get these long really really long setups and payoffs that i think are are, are truly worth it where like there's stuff they talk about in like 2.0 realm reborn that is like two expansions later you know it's like oh oh cool you know which which i think is really great and you can't really do that without a, a plan and be a kind of more lockdown narrative, you know, but you have to make a lot of sacrifices along the way for that to happen. Can't give the player jerks enough agency to throw your entire plans into chaos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but again, like, is that, is it worth punctuating that story with all of the sort of grindy gameplay? No, I mean, it doesn't have to be grindy gameplay, but just gameplay. No, well, to then experience that, yeah. that story over time. I see, like that. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with, agreement with you. I, I think the Final Fantasy XIV is a good game in spite of it being an MMO, and not because it's an MMO, which is a different <laughs> thing altogether. I, I think there's elements that work really well um, together, especially when they like incorporate the kind of like um, 
you know, super anime feel good feelings of like teamwork and friendship. And you're actually like, you know, you got your guys coming in to help you at the moment of truth or whatever. Um, that stuff works really well. But, it, you know, it just like, wow, it breaks your immersion when you're like going through the the Valley of Despair or whatever the fuck area. And like there's two other guys on cool mounts running around. And you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. So I, I think that that is a, a prime example of how that kind of narrative does not work in a game like that. Um, because that you have to like jump through so many hoots to like fix that. And you're like, maybe you sh it should just be a single player game. But like, you know, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> so I don't know. I, Andrew, what do you think? What do you think about this? What, 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 what's your take on, on this <laughs> some bitch? Well, I want to do somewhat change the subject and bring us back to cinematic games that are actually well justified in having gameplay. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear it. Because Roushi and I and another friend just played through the third Dark Pictures anthology game, House of Ashes. Hell yeah, I love those um, games! I don't know if we've talked about this before, but these are games that are basically interactive horror movies. Yeah. Uh, the developer did Until Dawn, I think, a couple years before they started this series. And this Dark Pictures anthology is like kind of shorter games. And um, the one we just played was the third one. So this is a really cool setup where, you know, it's basically like a horror movie setup. You have a bunch of different characters you can control. And when you're controlling these characters, it's not a very, like, open game, right? It's very cinematic. You have, you know, dialogue choices. You can choose to be an asshole. You can choose to be nice. You can choose to say nothing. In every conversation, you can just be silent, which is really interesting. Um, and then there's usually, like, action sequences with, like, QTEs and stuff. And, like, whether you do the QTE or not will have a very, very big dramatic effect on the story. Um, and, yeah, it's really cool stuff. So, like, for example, this House of Ashes. I'm not, don't, don't want to spoil too, too much stuff. Um, it's really fun to play through yourself, but so the the premise is that you're the main most of the main characters is like a group of Marines in the Iraq War, and so I, and and at one point they get in like a firefight with like you know the Iraqi Republican Guard and like my character I'm like I'm gonna make him a fucking war criminal. He shoots white phosphorus at humans. He shoots civilians in the back. That's what my character's doing now, and that like made a difference. It, like it came back later. <laughs> yeah. The game remembered that I did that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just like they went out of the way to explain yeah. that to you too at the beginning. They're like. Hey, that's white phosphorus. Should we have that here? And they're like, the dialect guys is like, probably shouldn't have that. We should have that. <laughs> they're like, mm, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I really like the setup of those games. I think there's some problems with like, you they could be definitely improved. Like, you know, QTEs or whatever, the gameplay could be better. But like the idea of that interactive narrative, like, um, like a like a plus plus version of a visual novel, I think is is really cool, especially with the branching story element. You know, characters can die early, um, and you're never quite sure if like this QTE is like, you know, if something finally happen if you fuck it up, or your guy will get murdered, <laughs> which is exciting. You know, um, yeah, I really I really love how they kind of flip the QTE around. I think they've kind of gotten better at this at yeah. the later games. Um, whereas, you know, usually a QTE in an action game, you'd be like, oh, I want to press it. I got to do it to survive. But like in this game, it's really a choice. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Q QTE, QTE stands for quick time event. And it's usually when like a, like a little sequence of actions goes through like a sequence and you have to usually, yeah, you have to press a button as it shows up quickly enough to, so that your character doesn't screw up the cool, awesome, amazing move that they're doing. And then usually if you fail, you have to either you take damage or you die and you have to do the quick time event over again. Yeah. Yeah. There's no controversial. Rules. 
there are no do okay. in this game. Yeah. You you make your decision, you live with it. Yeah, which is yeah. awesome. They they have a, like a lot of really good ones in there too. Where like one that stuck out in my mind was like there was a rope. Like your you, one character gets knocked off the ledge by uh, some stuff that's happening, and like you have this like really shitty frayed rope, and it's like um, you're you're you have these two player characters. First of all, you assign player characters in this like movie couch movie mode, which is great. You pass the controller around, but like. I was holding the rope and I had the option to cut it for, 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 for our friend's character. I was like, and it's like, it gives you like three times to like cut it or not cut it. And I'm like, I'm not going to cut it. And then like, he's like struggling, struggling. He's like, Oh, you're really going to cut it. And like, you know, like, Oh, I don't want to do it. You know? So like that situation resolved in a, in a lot of really fun ways, you know, um, there's some good stuff. Uh, or they have other situations too, where it's like, you know, you're getting attacked and like some monsters fighting or whatever. And it's like, do you save your own character or do you save your friend's character? You know, you you, you know, like point your gun at whatever. Do you shoot the monster that's coming at you or do you shoot the monster that's coming at, at somebody else? There's a lot of like really good opportunities. And that has a lot of weight because it's actually like the person playing next to you yeah. is controlling that character. Yeah. <laughs> also, awesome. can you like save and load in this game? Uh, Auto saves, baby. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> You probably could mm. figure out a way to save Scummit, like, but yeah, I, admittedly, that would feel like it would take a lot out of it. And also, I know from my experience with like RPGs, and sometimes like I would just be like loading back and trying to make the optimal decisions in all times, and be like, no, I don't want anybody to die. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had, well, there's some again, not to spoil too much. We had a character die at the end because of like way old mistakes we had made like hours before, before which is kind of frustrating. But yeah. It's like, that's how yep. a fucking horror movie happens, you know? Yeah. It, I, it was upsetting, but I also liked at the end that that's the reason. Like, we fucked up a QTE in this one character, so he is wounded. And then much, much later, mm -hmm. we fucked up a QTE in a different character, so they were also wounded. So at the crucial moment, the, like, blood dripped on the ground and, like, set some stuff in motion that, like, this other character got murdered because we couldn't get there in time. <laughs> and it's like, fuck! Come on, man! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, now, do you think they combined story engine elements to make that possible? Or was it really like just a lot of really meticulous, like branching? Because like usually the branching storyline thing is considered ideal in the sense that it gives you like the best consequences, but from a production standpoint, almost impossible to achieve because of the exponential amount of scenarios you have to create every time you branch from the branches. Yeah, I think this game almost certainly is like fully planned out and fully wow. it's fully acted there's like real actors doing the voice and motion capture and stuff the thing is the stories all tends to kind of converge at roughly the same spot spoiler alert it's like there's not a drastic like and there's mm -hmm. some there's some different like major cutscenes i think that can happen but it's, it's i think the theme with a lot of the games is like they all kind of end up roughly the same point with like some amount of your characters dead or alive yeah and like the details kind of change so it's also a little bit rough around the edges where like we had a cutscene where like we had three people live, but only two of them were showing in the cutscene. Yeah. So like, where's the third guy? They like forgot to make that <laughs> that combination of like those characters. I'm pretty sure we ran into a weird edge case where these two characters and this one guy were alive, and there's like this really you know struggling moment where these two characters are like trying to like, where's the third guy? Where's my guy? Um, <laughs> but you know, he wasn't in there. And then later on, he like they're out. They like resolve the situation and climb the rope and like. He's just there. And we're like, all right, guys, let's get out of here. I'm like, did he climb the rope early? Was it just not there? Did he not care? I don't know. Those games are like pretty locked down, though. But it's like, it's fun because it's it's just like, you know, you're watching Halloween or something, but you're watching an interactive version of Halloween where you can, little, you can make little influences, you know, 
and and I, I think those those kinds of games are really fun. Special place in my heart. Were any of you sort of like, you know, old enough to be aware when interactive movies were supposed to be all the rage in the, the way of tomorrow? This is like the yeah. CDI like stuff, the 90s. right? Like like yeah. Sega CD or whatever. I think so. Yeah. Like that sort of area. It was like the, the next logical step of like adventure games, right? Mm-hmm. I um I took a game design class that we had we had to read a book called Hamlet on the Holodeck, which is essentially waxing poetic about this glorious future of interactive media, and it was around the same time. It was written around the same time as what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like that's kind of what you're describing here, but it's like 30 years later than people were expecting it, mm. and it's also not the dominant form of entertainment, but a tiny niche thing, which sounds great, but is definitely not sort of like you know competing so much with uh, i don't know what's a super popular like television show right now i don't know the, the marvel cinematic universe you could sure say. Why yeah not? the most expensive <laughs> tv show ever made <laughs> pretty much yeah um and yet and yet we still have we still have a games industry that does exceed hollywood now in terms of its mm. size and revenue and all that stuff yeah so i don't know i think it just didn't take the it didn't take the form of glorious uh, super uber agency like storytelling that people were expecting. Yeah, but like I remember sort of reading articles on how people were expecting this to be like back in the 90s. And it was like a bunch of people would go to a movie theater and have like clickers and then the audience would vote on what they wanted to happen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> yes. I, I, I want to I go to the movie here to theater to play Kahoot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I guess it's like kind of similar to what we were doing. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. a little bit more interactivity to that, but yeah, right. It's basically it. You're choosing A or B with whether or not you know it, um, with varying degrees of hi- like hiding the curtain. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's but it's also just inviting like tyranny of the majority. Like you would much rather play that, do that experience, not with a group of people who are going to vote the way you don't want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to do that in the privacy of your own home, where you get to control the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. I want to use white phosphorus. That's right. Yeah. Also, in the scene before it, I was playing one of the Iraqi characters and I shot down the American helicopter. (laughs) They were setting this character up as like the sympathetic friend. And I'm like, no, I'm going to kill everybody I see. (laughs) As is your God given right. Yeah. (laughs) So we started we started the story off really with a bang, you know, with with, With a couple bangs. Yeah, a couple bangs. Wow. Flashbang. You know what'll make what what could make the glorious future of interactive storytelling possible is better AI. You know, mm-hmm. if you have AI that can truly adapt like a situation to your player, uh, the player kind of input, which either could be like a single AI character, like actually being able to like parse the language and then like respond as if they were a real person, or the game could be like the dungeon master and and like changing the scenario on a like much larger scale, which maybe is possible. I was under the impression that like Left 4 Dead did this on a very limited capacity with like the director system where they would basically sort of alter the strength of the enemies and the composition and the items you'd find depending on how people were doing. Well, I mean, yeah, that's all mechanical stuff, but like not like changing the story. Fair, fair. Yeah. Yeah. You're still going to be running through the same area with varying degrees of success. And like with the same motivation, which is kill zombies. Mm -hmm. But you'll have more (laughs) zombies. Maybe you'll find zombie Bob there who yeah. was your best friend back in high school and you've lost contact with him. <laughs> and he's only here now because you were doing so well that he could spawn mm-hmm. <laughs> for this tear-filled moment in this horrible reunion at long last. You know, no holds barred, joke a minute, first person shooter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
That's also why the new one was it Left for Dead, not Left for Dead, Left for Dead Three, the totally not Left for Dead Three game. Back for Blood. Back for Blood. Um, called Falls Flat because like the game is like written and like presented as if it's super serious, but also like they're trying to do the the Left for Dead thing where people are making jokes all the time and like they're like, oh gross, that guy can poop all over me. You're like, aren't you talking about how the world is a nightmare hellscape? What is this game? What are you doing anyway? Get your story straight, video game. <laughs> Uh, does that does that sound like we've solved the, the, the story in MMOs? No. I guess we did it. <laughs> I think so. And now I really want someone to write a prologue and epilogue for all of our podcasts. Yeah. We got to get it forward. <laughs> this, forward and afterward. In this oh, yes. podcast. <laughs> Later on. Well, that's like Dragon Ball Z. You know? Power level 1 million. Really? 1 million? That's how it's got. The best part about that system is the numbers can go up infinitely. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. God bless whoever invented the integers. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys ready to take a break? <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're back. Do you guys want to do... Hey, check this out. Yes, I do. Play Final Fantasy XIV and Walker. Play it. It's great. It's really good. All right, we're being hyper efficient. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'll go next. Uh, I think I, I think I, I said to check this out uh, uh, on Arcane, the, the the TV show on Netflix, uh, a little while back. What I have been doing recently is listening to the soundtrack on like loop. Like, there are actually two soundtracks. There's one that's like all the sort of like lyrical songs. And then there's the one that's like the sort of more, you know, moody music. I'm talking about the one, the lyrical songs. I like it a lot. Check it out. Cool. Uh, I will go next. Um, sort of along the lines of kind of serialized storytelling, I'm going to recommend the Fear Street movies, which are on Netflix. They're a series of three horror movies that take place across kind of different timelines, but they have a kind of shared through line kind of about this town that's kind of split into two halves. One town really does really well, and one town is a shithole. Why is one town a shithole? And why are the people all miserable? Uh, and why are people getting murdered by serial killers there? Uh, you gotta watch it to find out. It's really good. Lots of uh, period music. And the uh, the first one is it takes place in 94. So that's kind of roughly our... If you're our age, you'll recognize a lot of the songs that, that show up in that movie. They had a very large music licensing budget, apparently. It's very fun. Cool. So I will throw out a couple of random things. Uh, first thing, if you listen to Spotify and you haven't listened to your like year in review thing, which basically is just the songs that you've listened to the most, uh, I would encourage you to do so. It's kind of cool just sort of hearing the music that apparently you've listened to the most because some of them will be no surprises and some of them will be like the song that I keep on skipping over and over again somehow made it to like my top 20. It's like, stop playing this goddamn song. But anyway. Overall, though, it's, it's an enjoyable the Frozen experience. soundtrack for everyone listening. <laughs> uh, the other thing I'd mention um, is, I don't, I can't imagine it started on YouTube, but um, there's a series called, or a sort of talk thing called Between Two Ferns, mm. and it's basically sort of like a spoof of a talk show where, you know, it's clearly kind of scripted, um, 
and it's basically just like the the kind of premise is like the world's worst interviewer interviewing like high tier celebrities like you know I don't know. Like there's one with oh, President Barack Obama. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, th- this is the sort of like reach it had. Um, yeah. Shelly Theron was on it. There's a lot of. Yes. Um, a bunch of comedians too. Will Ferrell. Whatever. Yeah. The host is Zach Galifianakis, right? Mm-hmm. And doesn't he mm-hmm. brutally insult his guests usually? A, a lot yes. of it. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> and sometimes his guests brutally insult him as well. Like, which is, I mean, yeah, it's which is terrific. Yeah. There's a lot. It's It's, it's really good. Oh man. Like you got to know, right? Like that I'm sure everyone's signed up for this. Like that that's what they're going mm-hmm. for, but like is it is it ad-libbed? Is it written? It's probably written. Like it's too good to like just be ad-libbed, right? I don't know. I want to know. I feel like it's it. got to be a mix of both of them. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe they have some prompts going in or something. I don't know. Whatever. Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yeah, the best part great. about Space Ghost Coast to Coast is that like they would not uh, they would have like a bunch of questions that they would ask the person they're interviewing and then they would re-record completely different questions <laughs> and use the same <laughs> answers <laughs> which is why everyone's so confused in the show <laughs> also the interviews were done with the person dressed up as space ghost <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah my, my second check this out is space ghost ghost to ghost Yes, the biggest hit or miss show uh, where there's excellent episodes and absolute trash episodes. But my God, you know, it's Mm. worth it. It's also where Aqua Teen Hunger Force came from. Mm hmm. (laughs) All the same animations from that Space Ghost episode are in the show. And those (laughs) those are the only animations. (laughs) Anyway. uh, All right. Credits. Yeah. Wait, no, we do. We do social media first. Oh, right. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you? <laughs> yeah, thanks. What a great setting them up, knocking them down. You can find me on Twitter at Radhesion, also soundcloud.com slash adhesion and adhesion.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at the Brendo. I'm on Twitter at Heckbringer. Now you can get in contact with all of us at Team, Razor, team, team Radmars on Twitter, radmars.com and radmars to itch.io. Say hey, say hello. That's it. Uh, yeah. This episode was edited by Andrew Ford, and music in this episode and all episodes is also by Andrew Ford. Yep. All right. We did it. We we told the story. We solved all stories. No more stories. Stories are done. Sorry. No more. Yeah. They were good while they lasted. <laughs> yep. Scholars, 10,000 years from now, will pick apart this recording on a memo disc, a future disc, and they'll be like, wow, that is what stories are all about. <laughs> I'm glad we did on, it on a Dreamcast VMU. <laughs> <laughs> the best peripheral. That was the yeah the height of technology. All right, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you guys for being here. All right, thank you. Goodbye. Good night. Good night. See you. Good night.